All right, first panel, to host or not to host? That is a question. We got Vinny Party from River Financial. We got Colin Harper from Luxor. We got Robert Warren from Upstream Data. And then this fine gentleman who's been coming here for the last three or four months out of the last 12, Marty Bent, to moderate this panel. So give him a round of applause, please. Let's keep it going for Rod. Thank you, Rod. Colin, Rob, Vinny. Sorry we didn't do any prep here. Just hopped out of RHR. But to host or not to host, that is the question. It's a controversial topic. And you're not hosting or you're not hashing? You're, I, I don't know. They can't hear the question because your mic's not on. you got to turn that on. If you're not hosting, are you not hashing? I don't know. I'm, I'm the moderator here. You guys are supposed to answer the questions. <laughs> no, but seriously, so uh, Bitcoin... Mining hosting uh, is a bit of a touchy to- topic in uh, certain mining circles. Some people don't like it. Some people think uh, it's anathema to what the distribution of hash rate should be. Uh, there's different hosting models, and I think that maybe that's where we start. What is the landscape of Bitcoin uh, mining hosting uh, here in the U.S. particularly? What are the different models uh, that, that exist? And I think we should start with Vinny. Because uh, River uh, does do some some hosting for River clients. How do you guys do it? What is the uh, decision be- behind the way River sets up your hosting uh, and your relationship with your clients? Yeah, so um, it started, you know, River started as a brokerage for Bitcoin only. Um, so we're kind of just expanding that for our clients. Um, so we want you to be able to buy and sell Bitcoin there. But now we also want you to be able to get access through mining. So um, it's really... Um, kind of a hand-holding process and an education process. Um, and we also want to give our clients access to the scale that we have. So um, we're finding space in uh, much larger co-location facilities right now um, and giving you access to their pricing, their technicians that are on site, um, some of those things to make it less of a headache for you to mine. Mining is very tough, as a lot of us have experienced in this room. Um, so it's nice to have someone who's going to like take care of all those things, answer your questions, um, and you know, yeah, just make it a, a seamless process as possible for you. And Colin, how much does vertical integration come into hosting? Because we've seen, particularly this year, I don't want to pick on Core Scientific, but um, we, I think we've seen two examples of hosting work out in different ways. You have Core Scientific, where they were leveraging uh, a third-party uh, utility company to, to house their ASICs, and they own the hosting agreement, and then brought in clients did some prop mining as well. Another example we have is Greenwich up in New York, where they own the facility, um, and they wound up in a situation where they had to hand over their miners to NIDIG, and NIDIG was easily able to host there. Um, and so there's different degrees of vertical integration hosting. Yeah, I think uh, those are two interesting uh, examples, right? Because like both Greenwich and Corsi had like crazy levels of debt for different reasons. Like Greenwich because it was operating a power plant, and Corsi just because it was just like levered to the tits with ASICs, right? So um, in terms of vertically integrating, I think that for if you already have like energy generating assets, then it makes sense to maybe buy some Bitcoin miners, soak up the extra energy. Um, But if you're, you know, a pure play Bitcoin miner and you're trying to become an energy company, I, I just feel like that would be a lot to bite off and chew. Right. And I think this is kind of a cop out answer and kind of goes for hosting in general, but it really just depends on. Um, like what your goals are as a miner, and it, it's really situation dependent, right? Um, 
because you can for sure lower your costs in certain areas if you try to take on the burden of actually uh, vertically integrating and producing the energy uh, that you're consuming as a Bitcoin miner. But that comes with a, obviously a bunch of operational headaches if you don't have that expertise and it's also super expensive, right? Um, so um, I think that in the long run, I was actually talking to uh, Brandon at Galaxy Digital about this. Um, there are like kind of two sides of the debate. It's like some people who think that ultimately only people who are producing energy will be Bitcoin miners because eventually mining revenue will just be so minuscule that the margins will be almost like energy producing where it's uh, there, there are no mar uh, margins at all. Or maybe you'll just have people who, um, you know, operate the Bitcoin mine and operate the energy producing asset. And there's kind of like a symbiosis um, kind of that, that seems to make sense to me. Yeah. Division of labor. Yeah, exactly. And then Rob, Working at Upstream Data, I think you guys are a bit unique uh, on this panel that you guys build infrastructure for predominantly for people that are mining off-grid. Have you guys seen off-grid hosting? Does it work? Or are your customers mainly uh, buying hash huts to, to mine for themselves to monetize their gas? It's So it's such a hard question. I think like, you know, hosting overall is sort of like a, a problem on a problem. You, you say, like, I'm going to mine Bitcoin, I got to find cheap electricity, cheap energy, whatever that might be. And then I mean, I mine Bitcoin. I make loads of money. Everyone's very excited about me. Hooray. Uh, I retire in the next bull market. The second that you throw hosting on top of that, you all of a sudden have this insane counterparty risk that emerges where you have a group of people who can essentially cash flow your mining operation if you are, say, the host uh, by giving you money on the promise that you're going to set up hash for them. Uh, and then you will receive sats. And we saw a lot of that coming through the last couple of years where folks were saying, you know, Bitcoin mining is very easy. You know, they put their radio voice on like, welcome, send us the, send us the cash. <laughs> like for the low, low price of $300 a month, we're going to send you sats every month. <laughs> and that's what it was sold as. And then everything went tits up because nobody was thinking about actually building infrastructure that was, and it, I, I think it's like an Adam Back thing where he says that like chicken shack miners are going to be the ones that are going to survive through essentially every market, uh, because you have to be the smartest people in the room that are operating on like ramen budgets, essentially. Um, on the upstream side of things, you know, we operate in a very unique space because not only do we make, uh, we make essentially these all in include load centers, Steve Barber, thank you very much. Um, we make load centers, not data centers, not data centers um, because we handle load, not data. Uh, what's interesting about what we're doing is that there's sort of an inherent asymmetry in the kinds of people that we're working with. And a lot of the oil and gas companies that we're working with could give two shits about Bitcoin, frankly. Uh, and I don't know if Steve has gone totally out there about some of the new products that he's launching. I'm sure he will. Uh, but essentially, at the end of the day, you need some kind of asymmetry in your ability to turn energy, whatever that source of energy might be, hydro, gas, vent, flare, whatever it might be, turn that into electricity via you know, generator mechanism, via a V8 small block Chevy engine that's going to burn methane and, and turn it into 50 kilowatts of uh, usable power. You need an asymmetry. And the problem of mining Bitcoin is hard enough. And there are a lot of smart people who have solved one problem but not another and have gotten entirely wrecked over the last couple of uh, months, quarters. Uh, when you're coming into the hosting side of things, you're adding another layer of counterparty risk, danger, holy shit, who am I sending my money to, on top of this thing that's already immensely difficult, that requires a lot of expertise, that frankly, like, we're all babies. Like, this is a very young industry. There, there are not really common standards for us. 
we haven't figured it out yet. So does hosting have a place? 100%. Where is it? I don't know. Yeah, we're still finding out. Exactly. And so one of the most important aspects of hosting is your all-in electricity rate. And I think that was a big lesson in 2022 as energy prices began to rise. I think hosting providers who found themselves in a position where they had variable electricity rates got felt the crunch uh, and they own the power contract. And so they have an at cost uh, electricity rate. And then they add a little margin on that for their customers. And as energy prices rose, we saw and hash rate rose and the Bitcoin price fell. We saw that uh, a lot of hosting customers went underwater. They turn off and there's no revenue for that hosting provider. So this was a big lesson in um, 2022. And I guess that gets into the topic of like counterparty risk for a hoster. Like what should a hoster look for in a counterparty and a customer that's going to send the basics and uh, how, how can they have uh, or get comfortable that that, that customer is going to continue to pay their bills month in and month out. Oh yeah. So we, um, so I'm also a partner in a hosting company called distributed hash. Uh, we've got uh, essentially electrified hash up in North, kind of North central, Northeast uh, Wyoming. Um, Texas Slim is always talking about you have to shake your rancher's hand, you know, know, know the source, see where it comes from. Uh, he's a maven at that. We don't have a Texas Slim of hosting, but we need one because you have to know who you are sending tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to. And you, as somebody who are coming into the space, trying to learn about hosting, mining, whatever it might be, um, you have the greatest risk because you have a knowledge asymmetry because you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know an M30 from an S19. You have no idea what three-phase power... I still don't know what three-phase power is. You don't know what phases of powers are. You don't know what 277 is. And somebody's going to throw a bunch of technical jargon at you. And what you really should have done is found somebody to sell you an S9 for $125. You should have put it in your laundry room and driven your wife or husband or whomever crazy for a couple of hours while you set this thing up and ran it and learned the basics of networking and running a machine. You should have forgotten everything about profitability and all of the nonsense that goes with that. You should have learned the technicals of how to run a single machine, cost you nothing. And then if you really want to go host, you should equip yourself to ask the questions of that host. So the biggest, the biggest ones or the biggest problems rather that we have seen in the marketplace is it really boils down to a lack of transparency between the people that are offering the hosting and the people who are receiving the hosting. And it's become a, such a huge issue because a lot of people said, yeah, I'll wire you 50 grand and you'll give me two petahash. I don't know if that's a good deal, but I get two petahash, whatever that means. And then they only monitor what they're making through, you know, like a brains pool, formerly slush pool, brains pool account uh, or Lincoin or whatever their pool might be. And that's their only interaction with this, this ephemeral third-party hosting company. And in the bull market, it's great because nobody's asking questions about if the machines are actually there. And you're not asking questions because the stats are coming in. But then everything tightens up and people are going like, oh, shit, I have to pay this PPA. And like, we didn't actually get half this hash put up because it got kind of hot in Texas in the middle of July. And everybody is, is kind of wrecked. So I would say... If, if you want to be the Texas Slim of, of hosted mining, that would be fantastic. But at minimum, work to begin to educate yourself into how these things kind of work. Because once you start to add contracting on top of that, I'm paying fixed 200 bucks a month. Never do that. Do not do that. Do not send a contract that has a fixed electrical fee. 
because you will get destroyed by uptime. Um, a profit share, in some cases, that work. That works. You cover my, you know, five cents, three cents, four cents per kilowatt. We split everything above that 50-50, 60-40. I'll do the management. Or you do a fixed spread where you're going to pay this fixed fee. Your host is going to make, you know, two cents, a cent and a half on the spread between what they buy the electricity on, what you get it from. It's not a PPA. It's all metered, so nobody's at risk. If there's downtime, nobody's getting ruined. That's a lot of information, but there there are resources there to avail yourself of if you're looking into this. Um, but shake your host's hand, essentially, is what it comes down to. Can I respond to that? Yes, sir. Um, so I think those are all good uh, points and concerns. And um, so at River, you know, we have all of our clients go through relationship uh, management. Uh, we have some of them here. Um, but they can answer all those questions for you. Um, and I think, like, even if you're not using a hosted service, if you're doing it on your own, you should still be asking those questions about your uh, electric costs. Because a lot of people think that they have an all-in electric cost when they really don't. And I've met a lot of people who were about to set up a facility for mining, and then they're like, oh, crap, I thought I had six cents. It's really 11. Like, I have no advantage here. Um, so at least when you're, you know, if it's a hosting company you can trust, um, a lot of times they can help you through those things or, you know, shorten that gap of knowledge. Um, but, you know, still the same thing. Still, we got to go um, to our colos and make sure that they know what their agreements are at the PPA level. Um, and, you know, some things like you mentioned uptime too, like we ran into issues in Texas where miners didn't come online in time. Um, and we were able to credit our clients as if they were mining during that time. Um, if you're doing it without a host, you're taking on all that risk yourself. So um, there's some benefits there too, but um, yeah, just wanted to point that out. No, it's very important. You'll ask, what is the all-in cost? You'll get an answer and then you say, no, what is the all-in cost? So just for anybody who may... Who may think about, who may, yeah, so how is it priced? What are some of the uh, add-on costs that may not be articulated on the front end that, that some people who can get engaged in a hosting agreement run into? Um, I just want to add to kind of from the, uh, the hosties side of things because they were kind of talking about hosts, one, like knowing uh, their clients. I mean, I would just say the same goes uh, right back to the people, uh, you know, contracting out the hosting providers, right? Um, going right back to what you were saying, Marty, it's like knowing actually all of your costs and also just like making sure that you vet them. Cause there are a lot of like, you know, I don't know, wild west operators out there, man, where they'll steal your hash rate and point it towards another pool and they'll curtail and say that it's part of the contract. Um, a lot of people got into, especially in North America, got into mining in 2021 because of the China ban just so much business was flushed over here, um, from the East. And uh, a lot of people got interested in Bitcoin mining because it obviously it coincided with the bull market. There was a lot of capital and a lot of players that were getting active in this region. And uh, a lot of people got themselves into hosting terms that they didn't fully understand. Um, and that also goes with like, this isn't really hosting, but, you know, some guys like trying to negotiate like, you know, power purchasing agreements with like their like little regional grid operator, like in their homes, thinking that they're getting like eight cent, you know, per kilowatt hour power. And then it's like, oh, that's only at like this time of day. And your actual all-in power cost is like 12 or 13 cents. Yeah, here's the transmission cost on top of that and your monthly fee. Exactly. It's one of the the hard, the first lessons you learn when you get into hosting is like, oh, it's not. The all-in cost is not what's advertised. Um, but that being said, like talking about counterparties too, and again, don't want to pick on CoreSide, but they found themselves in a situation where the largest counterparty turned out to be Celsius, which went bankrupt uh, and was not able to pay their bills month in a month out. And so as a hoster... Uh, bringing on clients, yeah, there's probably uh, a level of due diligence necessary. Yeah, and that kind of raises another question too, right? Because it's like people look at like 
or maybe uh, some miners looked at like Compute North and Corsi last year. They were like, these are the big, legit, you know, multi, like hundreds of millions, billion dollar companies, right? Um, like that's where I want my hash because obviously these guys need to know what they're doing. And to me, it raises an interesting question, especially as we like go into a bear market and when we come out the other side, like, what do you want? Do you want the host with like 10 exahashes worth of hash rate of other people's hash rate and like all of these crazy debt obligations? Or do you want kind of like a little smaller five to 10 megawatt operation, you know, where you feel like you can be more of a priority with the person running it? Yeah, that's actually one of the themes I'm going to be paying attention to in the next couple of years, obviously the last few years here in the United States, uh, the big trend was building these big mega farms. You have Riot, Corsi, building multi-hundred megawatt facilities. It takes a lot of upfront cop- capital. That infrastructure build-out takes 18 months to 24 months. Uh, that's You're risking a lot of capital up front, not plugging machines in for quite a while. And I would not be surprised to see if we see more distributed, smaller 5, 10, 20 megawatt operations spin up. There's there's um there's actually a customer at, at um, upstream who I've been working with, who is kind of doing this. They're doing like small town. We have an arrangement with a local utility and are starting to put huts on on a substation. There's there's something that on that sort of thread that you're talking about that is actually call it the like the benefits of being a local, right? Like I'm sure there's there's people in this room that are from Nashville, like born and bred, like. 42 generations of Nashvillians or whatever you are. And then I'm sure there are people that have like just moved here and maybe feel like kind of aliens, like figuring out how to use y'all appropriately in a sentence. <laughs> like there, there is a massive benefit. And I say that as someone who moved from Chicagoland to New Orleans and spent 10 years there. So if I knew what anybody was saying for the first year and a half, like, holy shit, like I could barely get groceries. Um, sorry, I could barely make groceries. Um, mining. I'm like, you're watching me like flashback through 10 Mardi Gras. Um, Essentially on the mining front of things, there's something about being local. So this customer at Upstream are locals. They're in Iowa. They have family land. They have farmed that land for however many generations. They went to high school with dudes that are on the PD that work in the utilities that did the engineering on every little bit and piece of of those lines that were running through their county. And so what they're doing is they're starting to build an operation that for them, their asymmetry is that when they call somebody, they're not these assholes who came in from, you know, insert major city name with $20 billion that wants to deploy capital. They're like Tommy from down the road. And because of that, you can sure as hell believe that when it comes to issues of like processing payments, Issues of, hey, we're having like uptime issues. Can we talk about this? When you call somebody, they get on the phone. They get on the phone when you're local. And this is something that, you know, in the mining space, everybody wants to be the engineer. You want to be like the giga brain. I wrote this firmware that finally gives us what's minor access, right? The thing that, that wasn't shade. Like, it's going to be basically, if you don't know why it's very hard to write what's minor firmware, like, the brains guys will definitely tell you about it. Like, it's straight up chaos on the manufacturing side when it comes to micro BT. Um, so it's like no shade to them for that, but it's like a holy grail, right? If you can get that, you have an asymmetry that puts you in a very beneficial position. And you don't need to be an engineer to do that. You can leverage the fact that you have like family values from 10 generations and you just happen to know the people in town. Yeah. Interesting you mentioned firmware too, because that's obviously in this current mining environment with hash rates screaming, price relatively depressed. A lot of miners want to underclock 
but they're finding, uh, especially if they're hosting miners, that it's not always possible because the utility company on the back end is like, hey, we don't want to uh, curtail the energy that we're selling to you. So no, you can't underclock. Do you guys see um, unique contracts being spun up moving forward where, where miners go to the utility and say, hey, we really would like to have the ability to cut back on our, our consumption at certain times? Yeah, I mean, that's something that we're looking into and trying to push forward. It's not really, you know, there's no template there yet. And we're trying to ask that of our hosts uh, so that it can be offered. Um, I, I think stuff, stuff like that or even like um, helping our clients to benefit when we're curtailed, things like that, like a, a direct profit share in that regard. Um, I'd like to see some of the hosts head towards that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a learning and growing process and hopefully the product will keep getting better. Does Bitcoin help the grid? This is an important question because big hosting facilities. So this would be the the case for a big mega mine, 100 megawatt, 200 megawatt. Obviously, the Arctic blast hit Texas recently. Bitcoin network hash rate fell by 30% temporarily at one point in that difficulty epoch. The adjustment was estimated to go down by like 11.6%. That's since recovered. Um, are these operations helping the grid? I'm looking at you, Colin. You just wrote a year in review. <laughs> Not on this, man. Um, you know, honestly, like outside of like the usual, um, outside of the usual kind of response to this that most Bitcoin miners have, I don't really have anything new to add. I just know if anyone who knows Blake King at Galaxy, he's probably like lurking somewhere because if I say anything about like curtailing or any of like the industry terms would be like that's not what that actually means colin it's like it's so complicated the, the way that you can structure all of these power purchasing agreements right um i mean one thing i will say is like i think the thing one of the interesting trends that came out of 2022 and the company that's given us pretty good data on this at least in their production reports is riot it's like we have seen some pretty interesting stuff in terms of curtailing at times of grid stress and, and Riot getting power credits as a result. Um, there's an economic incentive there, obviously, for Riot. Um, and I think on like an elementary basis, the idea that if you build out more load somewhere else to consume power um, when the grid uh, doesn't need it, and then you can then free up that power when the grid does need it, that to me seems pretty, I, I, it seems pretty elementary that that would be a benefit, right? Like Bitcoin acts as not a literal, but like an economic battery in these cases. So yeah. Now, the reason I brought it up is Vinny, you said if uh, these hosting providers are engaged in these curtailment um, programs and they're getting, so there's two main ways to do this from which I understand a miner can lock in a lower fixed rate by agreeing to curtail at certain times or which is popular in Texas, they can get engaged where they can decide to turn their miners off and sell electricity at spot prices at any given time. And so if you're running a hosting facility, how do you communicate that with your clients and do you do a profit share on that? It's such a loaded question because there, every single one of us is sitting here. Thank you. Um, I, I would be shocked if there was one person in this room that had deep technical knowledge on any of the major RTOs in America. Like legitimately shocked. Um, it's it's so just disgustingly complicated and it's so decentralized and it's as much as there are mandates of what your grid has to do and what it has to provide you in terms of giving you electricity so that Gladys doesn't freeze in a North Dakota winter, the it's also political and everybody wants to drive the Tesla at full speed towards the wall and just hope that it breaks in time. 
And it's, it's, so it's kind of insane. It's like, do we help the grid? Well, it's like, yeah, we help the grid if they don't shut down all the peaker plants in the Northeast. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, if you're just trying to, like, run this sucker just, like, full yeet and see what New York can do in the middle of, like, next December, like, maybe we help the grid. But we don't if you're like, hey, we're all, like, offshore solar now. Like, if, or offshore uh, wind, sorry. Like, it, there was this, like, Biden announcement a couple of months ago, uh, a number of months ago at this point, about how we're going to get into offshore wind and it's going to, you know, save everything and the world's going to be wonderful and at least you won't have to look at it. Um, and then people started doing research into it and they were like, wait a second, how many gigawatts are you going to put out there? Okay. And then how are you going to get that electricity back to shore? Okay. Um, and aren't there like antiquated maritime laws that only allow certain boats to get shit out there in the first place, which is totally unfeasible given the scale of what you're trying to actually do? Okay. Um, so yeah, we help the grid. Like we help the grid if we actually give a shit about baseload and we, we can integrate into a coherent system. But we don't help the grid when everyone is LARPing about we're going to be, you know, 75% Kohler, quote Steve Barber, thank you very much, 75% um, Kohler, um, coal-based solar, ask him if you need an explanation later. Um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's like, yeah, we can help the grid, but not if you screw it up first. So here, here's my question about this, like to kind of build on it. Like if Bitcoin miners help the grid, then why aren't just energy producers just going to be mining Bitcoin? Right. Like eventually, like they're just going to build out mines for themselves and like they're going to soak up the excess energy that they create. And then they're going to use that for a payday rather than subs rather than outsourcing this to miners. Maybe. But it's like we were saying earlier, it's like an expertise thing and divide and conquer. Like maybe they don't want to have to deal with all the headaches of actually running a Bitcoin mine. Greenwich did it. That's true. Yeah. But they're not doing it very well. No. <laughs> well, I think that was more uh, that was more of a financial thing than an operational thing. It's true. It's true. And hey, it's. It's not over till it's over. No. They're not bankrupt yet. Yes. So, I mean, you brought up division of labor again, and the, the panel is to host or not to host, and I think we should uh, force you guys to answer the question. Um, for anybody out there who's thinking to mine uh, but doesn't want to run, wants to do a division of labor, thinks somebody who can actually run infrastructure and uh, connect ASICs to, to mining pools and distribute uh, rewards, they think that uh, somebody else should specialize in that. Would you advise them to host? I mean, what's their, I would ask a few questions like, what's your power cost without hosting? Like, how dedicated are you to Bitcoin mining? Um, do you actually understand what you're getting yourself into, right? Um, and uh, I think that it, it, to answer the question, like, yes, hosting in certain scenarios, no, in others. Like, I wouldn't recommend everyone get into Bitcoin mining, right? Like, it's obviously uh, not for everyone. A lot of people in 2021 thought it'd be a cool way to make passive income. And sometimes it's not a very cool way to make passive income. Sometimes you buy an ASIC for $7,000. A year later, it's worth $1,500. And you're only making $4 a day. And that's a that's best case scenario, too, is you're making the $4 a day right now. Like, that's like, whoo, those are fat margins, man. <laughs> like, I got two, you know, paying $2 a day in electricity. So um, I think one... The, the one thing I'll say about it, and then I'll stop, just going back to um, something that uh, Rod said, where it's just like, uh, or Rob said, sorry, it's just like, um, understand really like what you're getting yourself into and, and, and the terms that you're agreeing to. And also understand how to actually model your revenue going forward. Because a lot of, um, you know, pedestrian investors in Bitcoin mining will just look at hash price how much um, revenue a Bitcoin mining machine can make per unit of terahash. 
and they'll model out their projected revenue based on that hash price. Don't ever trust the models. Don't trust the models. <laughs> the models and if you work. do trust the models, trust the model that says the hash price is going to depreciate by 70% over a year. Yes, take the most pessimistic model. <laughs> exactly. Um, I would just say make sure that you understand that um, when things are good, things are amazing in Bitcoin mining. And when things are bad, things are kind of worse than not. So. Yeah, when everybody got to the point in October 2021 where they're like, ASIC is going to $200 a terahash, that was probably a good time to sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Rob to host or not to host? There's very... There's at least one very good non-financial reason why you would mine Bitcoin to some degree, regardless of the price of Bitcoin. And that's the no KYC aspect. So if you if you are very concerned about that, it's an entirely legitimate reason that people do come to distributed hash with that mindset, just kind of where their head is at, that that is their primary concern is operating as a non-KYC operator. That makes them a lot less price sensitive and they're not calling you every 15 minutes being like, have you guys seen the hash price today? Like it's, is it okay? Like should we underclock, should we overclock? Should we go back to nominal? Um, that That is a great way to be. There are not many people like that. There just aren't a lot of humans who are who are that far down the rabbit hole that they're, they're, they're doing that, right? I, as far as what we're concerned with on the dis, dis, distributed hash hosting side of things is that we don't want people, and we send them a one-pager. Like if you if you email us and you say like, hey, I'd like to host with you. We go, cool, read this one-pager. And it very specifically runs down who we are looking for, who we are not looking for. Because we don't want folks of certain certain sort of dispositions. And that disposition is typically somebody who's coming in and looking at mining purely as a cash-in, sats-out model that have no interest in learning about how the industry works, have no interest in learning about the machines and how the machines operate, the way the machines are networked, the way they talk to each other, the way they connect to everything else. Um, we come in with the mindset that you should know before you send a single machine to us, what's your end goal? Do you want to send us a couple of machines and just hash them regardless of price and that's great and you'll get your sats? And one thing that we do we do in-house and and um, I'll connect you to the guy who who networked this system because he's here, he's here fortunately, um, we allow you to VPN into your own VLAN from your computer, essentially to directly access those machines and always assay your hash to know that you are hashing and how they're performing, what the settings are. So much to say that you should know what the end goal is. You, you shouldn't come in and say, oh, I, I want to just go. Like, let's just see what happens. I'll give you 10 grand. Wrong attitude. I'll give you five machines. I'll pay the electricity bill every month. I want no KYC sets. And I'm happy with that. That's what I want. It's going into my kids' educational fund. Or I'm going to grow through you. I'm going to send you 10 machines. Then in six months, I'm going to send you 10 more. In six months, I'm going to send you 10 more. And then it's going to get to a point where we're going to knock on your door and you're going to go, dude, you got to get out. Because this isn't the place to have, you know, 700 machines. However, we'll help you figure out where to go. We'll help you set up that facility. We've, we've got the commercial real estate experience. We've got the commercial building experience. We've got the engineering and the networking side of things. Through that entire process, we want to educate you and make sure that you know what the hell is going on because it's it's complicated and frankly, there are no experts. You know, nobody has been doing this for 20 years. So from your perspective, as somebody who's like, yeah, maybe I should mine or maybe I should host. Before you even do that, buy an S9, run it, figure it out, impress your friends. If you really want to get into it, find your host who's going to be like Vinny so that when you call him and you say, hey, here's what I'm looking for. He goes, great, let me connect you to my guys and they'll walk you through everything that you need people who are going to invest in your education. That's kind of the end of the game. If they're transparent and they invest in your education, that's all you need. 
Yeah, nobody's been doing this for 20 years. If somebody comes up to you and says, I started mining Bitcoin in 2005, you say, get away from it. <laughs> Vinny, to host or not to host? Yeah, I think I'll add on with a boring answer of it depends. Um, so obviously education is best and there's no better education than doing it yourself. Um, for a lot of people, like that's not really an option. Um, I mean, if you have a full-time job that's outside of Bitcoin, like it, it's, it may be off the table you know, entirely. Um, but for a lot of people, like, yeah, I think the correct questions are, you know, who's the person, uh, what's their electric cost, and, and where do they live, too? Because you could have a great price, but if you're somewhere where, you know, they're going to come down on Bitcoin mining, um, you know, like if you go to another country where it's very cheap to mine Bitcoin, uh, you might get burned when they uh, ban Bitcoin mining or take over your facility or things like that. So um, there's a lot of, like, depends factor that goes into it. Um, but I think, yeah, just getting to know uh, the situation that you're you're jumping into, um, you know, maybe you could even diversify and do both. Maybe you could run some of your own miners and and then hit capacity at, at your setup, and then uh, you know try and diversify by hosting with someone in another state. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, different answers to that. Yeah, doing the political analysis of where you're going to put your miners is important. Another thing, look at the population trends in the area. If it's a growing population, and you begin taking electricity from people who want it, you can get priced out. Another thing we didn't touch on probably should have, but I think we're running out of time, is what models would you recommend that individuals buy, uh, especially in this environment? We can leave that up for discussion off off the panel. What's minor maximalism? Same. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a what's minor maximalist. The amount of human uh, capital in this room around mining is fucking insane. So real quick, I'm going to give these guys real quick final thoughts on these guys. Real quick round of applause for these guys. And then, Martin, if you want to wrap, I'm sorry to cut you off. Final thoughts, gentlemen. We talked about the host, not the host, grid stability, whatever you guys. I kind of want to just bounce off the conversation we just had. Like, I think that Bitcoin mining can help strengthen the grid, but like, it's not going to save the grid, right? Like, we need more sensible energy policies. We meet, need more nuclear, need more nat gas. Uh, but yeah, like Bitcoin, uh, I think in the best case scenario, Bitcoin mining serves as a way to consume excess energy to then, you know, um, bootstrap building out additional energy producing assets. I think actually if we're at a place where it's like we're using Bitcoin mining to balance the grid because there's not enough energy, that's not a good place to be. But that's not Bitcoin mining's fault. Yeah, this problem is external to Bitcoin. Exactly, that's... yeah. Like Bitcoin mining is not going to save the grid. It can help, but we we need more energy producing assets that are cheaper, more efficient than what we're kind of veering towards with some of these subsidies. Yeah, an ideal scenario is... We recognize the, uh, the hard truth of humanity. We're going to need a lot more energy, and we just have the political will to continue building it out. But that does not exist right now. Rob, final thought. Final thought. If you are here and you want to learn and you have a vested interest in improving your knowledge, this is the only time you get to do it. The second that the bear market is over, 80% of this room is going to be running around like fucking chickens with their head cut off. They're going to be too busy to talk to you. So if you want to learn something, if you want to get involved, if you want to figure out what the hell is going on and how to not feel like so much of a LARP, get into it. Additionally, this entire industry is not just run by engineers. There are massive gigabrain, wonderful engineers in this space. All of the other ancillary skills that it takes to function and run a society are required in Bitcoin as well. It is a, it, it's a cultural sort of transition that we're going through, however you might want to describe it. I was a fucking philosophy major, guys. Like, I consume electricity now. Like, that's not, there's not a straight through line there. Like, just jump the fuck in. 
start connecting with people and just make it happen. Like you, you will feel like a LARP for the first 15 seconds. In six months, you'll be like, holy shit, how am I talking to these people? In 12 months, you'd be like, oh wow, I've actually contributed something interesting to the space. Like fucking do it. Now is the time to do it. Like this is the bear market. None of us want to talk to you when shit starts getting crazy again because we're going to be too busy. You're making memes, smashing the caps lock button, and uh, having a lot of fun. Vinny, final thoughts. Yeah, just final thoughts. Um, first off, just grateful to be here. There's so much knowledge in this room. And, you know, a lot of people recognize that mining was, you know, just booming last year, but that's from a price perspective. Right now, we're booming from, you know, a knowledge and just improving, um, whether it's self mining or hosted mining. Like, if you survive this market, you're going to be offering a better product. And, like, the, it's just going to move forward. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to see where we're going. Yeah. Shout out to everybody who survives this bear market. I got one more quick thing. Do it. Martin's for ribs, Edley's for pulled pork. Just for anyone visiting. <laughs> <laughs>